0: welcome friends to another episode of the conversation my guest today is dr matt boheen he's the executive director of restoration wellness here in rochester two locations dr matt correct correct where he specializes in diet, safe and sustained weight loss, and the overall physical health of his clients. Some of you may know him from his weekly radio show, Custom Health Solutions with Dr. Matt. He is a husband to Dana, father of four, and also a committed follower of Jesus. Dr. Matt, welcome to the conversation. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So um, I I know, you know who you are. I know you know, I've been to your website, I've never been to your, um, your, your office mm-hmm. yet. So I don't know a lot about the nature of your work other than, you know, the basics, but, you know, because I know you're a doctor, you have a particular um, uh, specialization of study, but what you're doing, right? I guess the people that do what you do, you could probably come to it from a number of different ways, right? Yeah. And um, so what's the simplest way to describe uh, restoration wellness, number one, and how did you, Find yourself into this kind of work
1: yeah so uh well the the, the nutshell explanation for what we do is you know we're looking to find what's at the root of someone's health issue I mean we do tend to really focus on the weight loss side because we just have found so many people today are struggling with that and one of the things that we have seen over and over is when you can get to uh, the bottom of a metabolic imbalance you really do tend to see a lot of change in the body overall. You know, we'll have that present a lot of different ways, but one of the things that we've always talked about and tried to explain to our clients or just to put out there is that weight is really a symptom where a lot of times when we're looking at something like that, you're going, I'm going to go headlong at attacking this weight issue. But if you can recognize that it's a symptom of something else, Mm -hmm. some kind of other imbalance under the surface, that changes the game. It really changes the equation. And the way that you can address that becomes a lot less, I guess, you know, aggressive. We can really be a lot more intelligent and we can create a different kind of foundation that I've just seen allow our clients to really see a change that's, I don't know, more more, more substantial. You know, there's really a lot of opportunity for uh, for their bodies to heal in a more complete way i guess mm. so that's that's the the quick explanation not that it was very quick yeah
0: no <laughs> and and how did you okay you, you you know you you didn't go to school i'm guessing even um graduate school um to study weight loss right. so or at least that wasn't your first impulse i'm guessing so how did you did you find this because you know, you have a longstanding interest in this kind of work because you used to be overweight or your your family, I mean, whatever. Yeah. How did you find your way into this work?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. For me, it, it kind of happened naturally because we we wanted, I always wanted to go, you know, to approach the body this way. There's There's really two basic thought processes. It's either the body's, you know, sick and we need to manage that sickness or the body's out of balance and there's a reason for that imbalance and we need to find that root right mm-hmm. so there's a kind of it's a very simplistic way to kind of break down the two different approaches to the body i always I always gravitated more to that second you know thought process and that was kind of handed down to me generationally i guess so so for us for me in practice i was doing a lot of different things approaching a lot of different health challenges uh, from this natural side mm. As I was getting started and i just noticed that this started to happen we actually had several clients who lost weight almost accidentally as funny as that sounds mm-hmm. just by working on balancing those problems that were in their body they started to see weight come off without actual intention of weight loss so mm-hmm. that was really interesting and that kind of how this sort of was birthed so to speak and Mm. then we started to build around that and you know really put some protocols together and create something that was more easily you know packaged more consumable so to speak for people and um that's really been the last seven years out of ten that I've been in practice
0: okay and so um but when you say generally generationally um, just so people know you better, you yeah. know, it's always interesting to know how people find their way into their calling in life. Mm. Um, Was it, was it to do with, you know, your family health or your family love for nutrition or sports, mm. or I don't know how, mm-hmm. what, was there anything else in there that I, that, how, that made you find this uh, way of life?
1: Yeah. So although there is, you know, like a lot of families, unfortunately, certain diseases that have trended in my family, my, I almost missed um, knowing my paternal grandfather he had uh, a significant heart attack before I was even born thankfully he survived that and and did go on to have subsequent heart attacks survived those actually lived um, a pretty decently long life he wasn't necessarily overweight but clearly there was some you know mm-hmm. significant challenges in his health but so that that influenced me to a degree but I'll say the biggest influence the biggest impact was on the other side of my family um, my maternal grandmother just always had this more natural way of living. And it's not something that I really appreciated until, you know, I grew up a little bit more and got a little bit, you know, more exposure to the kind of way that other people live, but I grew up going to her house she had she had bees that she would harvest honey from. She had a huge garden, she had fruit trees. She just had this different, you know, always had very interesting things in her refrigerator. You know, just so it again, you don't you don't know that. You don't have context for it until you you get outside of that, but once I started to see wow, this, this is not quite normal, but it exposed me to just some different ways. And I would say, again, argue more natural ways mm, about mm. how the world works, how the body works, how nature works. It did something. It really did ingrain in me mm. a different thought process. And clearly my mom grew up with her. So she had a more natural way of thinking and living. Okay. And, and so I feel like those two generations, it just, it set a different foundation. It, it really allowed me to You know, to have a different perspective right from the beginning. So it, you know, clearly sent me down a certain path that I was able to, you know, overlay some education with. And it's, that's been instrumental, of course, allowed me to practice in a certain way. But I really feel like it was that, that gift of a paradigm almost, when I didn't even know what I was being gifted, that Mm -hmm. has really uh, influenced a lot of the things about the way that I live, but certainly you know, the way we so I,
0: I, I'm guessing that kind of what you, way you describe your um, your grandmother um, is that that kind of healthy living, especially when it comes to food, maybe virtually impossible with four kids, three to 12, but and that's what, I know that you have four kids, but mm-hmm. if I was a guest in the Bohine household, uh-huh. would it be reflective? Are you guys kind of leaning in that direction?
1: you know I it's probably not a joke but I do tend to say that my kids are a little warped nutritionally um, yeah we're we're, uh, we're we're probably worse than I was growing up I was the kid that you know I couldn't wait to get over to my my friends' houses because they had all the junk food right? My mom, you know, raised us- Cocoa puffs and
0: Oreos or whatever. Gushers. Oh, gushers. Gushers were
1: the thing. I thought those were the best thing in the world (laughs) until I ate a pack of them and thought, this isn't food. What is this horrible thing that I have wanted so much? So, so yeah, no, we're, we're, we definitely, uh, we look to practice what we preach. Don't get me wrong. My kids definitely have their go-to treats. Of course.
0: Right. Right. All right. So you, you had mentioned to me in, in something that you shared with me when we were exchanging some emails about- Medicine. You, mm. you talked about your sense that what you see in medicine today, mm-hmm. okay, is very reactive. Mm. Um, I assume you're talking about whether it's um, you know people's um, weight or maybe health in general. Say mm. a little bit more about what you mean by that.
1: Yeah. So you know, I don't know if this is the best parallel or way to describe that, but I try to trying to make that kind of a simplistic explanation. You know, I feel like it's like anything else in in the in the marketplace so to speak there's supply and demand and so the way that i look at this the way that I, what i've seen from working with our clients what i've seen you know talking with other physicians around the country and um and locally there's just there's there's a lot of demand for that quote unquote quick fix and i feel like that's where of course as long as there's demand there's going to be supply for that right so a lot of us will wait until we're forced, right? And we maybe we just don't know. We don't have context for it. We don't know what it looks like to to actually invest in our health proactively. So we wait until our hand is forced and wow, I've got to do something now. And oftentimes that means there's a significant disease process that has that has developed in the body. Whether we're talking about something really, you know, really, I guess, kind of impending doom, sort of situations like a cancer or or a heart disease. Or it's, you know, or a metabolic imbalance like a diabetes or something. But, you know, by the time we've discovered it, things have been happening for a long time. And so when I see the reverse of that, it's really pretty exciting to me when I see people who want to learn, who want to be able to stay ahead of that. And kind of like you had asked me earlier, it's usually driven by them have had having had a, an experience like that in their family before. They right. witnessed someone suffer they witnessed a a loved one go through a really trying situation with their health and that motivated them to say that's not going to be me so what can i do but unfortunately until a lot of us have had that very intimate you know stressful experience there's not a lot of that and and so that's that's a tough that's a tough place i I really that hurts me if you will because i just i really hate seeing people you know fall victim Mm. To poor health because we have a ton that we can do. We have so much opportunity. It's just like anything else. You don't, you know, you don't just, uh, you know, walk into retirement and have everything that you need to be able to stop working and live a good life, right? That comes with intention. Right. And I feel like our health is, is exactly that same way. So <clears throat> I'm going to
0: have a question follow-up to that. And let me say this, cause this, this is more about me than perhaps you. Mm. Um, I, I, when it, this is a drugs question. Yeah. So I, I personally, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm, you know, I, I I'm against any kind of drugs. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, on the whole, I can't even tell you the last time I took on Advil or something. So sure. I mean, for the most part, um, you know, I, I, I don't use drugs of any kind. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I th- thank the Lord, I haven't needed, you know, sure, something serious in in recent years. So, um, but I, that being said. Right, I know that there's a whole, you know, industry of you know um, anti-pharma and, and a lot of conversations about big pharma. And I just wonder when you talk about reactive medicine, mm-hmm. do you have a point of view? Obviously, there's bad actors in every industry, but yeah, is is that is there something um, to be said about the pharmaceutical industry relative to what some would say um, uh, 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 the most medicated cohort in, in American history? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's a bit, that's a big question. It's a good question. But yeah, the, the short answer for me is, um, is a little bit of the same. Um, again, anytime that if we continue as a society to accept that, if we continue to demand that we want the easy way, so to speak, if I can take a pill, not change anything and at least be managing my situation, I, I would say, again, my personal opinion, unfortunately, we're going to continue to see more of that. Of course, it's probably not a surprise. I wish it were the opposite. Yeah. I would love to see and I and I feel like that's only going to come with education. I feel like if people start to if they if they have more exposure, more awareness of what they can be doing, right. even in the midst of a health crisis. Right. but especially before if they can see that it really does become a reap what you sow conversation. Mm. And they have a great potential to positively or negatively impact their health with the things that they're doing in their everyday life, with the food they're eating, the way they're moving, the way they're thinking, Mm. um, that we could be living very differently. Longevity, quality of life, all those things considered.
0: Another question I uh, have, again, I don't know if this is um, something you think about at all, but... what I think about some is poverty in America mm. and things that I've read. And, and poverty is there's many ways to think about poverty, but I'm, yeah. I'm taking this kind of material poverty, you know, economic poverty, um, the most obvious forms of poverty. Not everybody, not every, um, you know, um, um, center city is full of um, poverty, but many are in the kinds of classical ways we would think of them. Yeah. But when we talk about poverty in America, is part of the poverty story, in your point of view, mm-hmm. a health story? And if it is, what is it?
1: Yeah, I, I actually, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that, but but considering it, you know, I, I do see connections there. Um, you know, the reality is, I think it can become a real vicious cycle, honestly. And here's what I mean. When you look at, you know, when you look at quality nutrition today. I don't even, I'm not talking about supplements. I'm not talking about health club memberships, just the basics, just eating good whole foods. It comes with a price. Right. I mean, there, there have been several documentaries I've seen over the years where they broke it down. They looked at the numbers, looked at people who were struggling financially, and they're saying, I can feed my family for, you know, dollars and cents going through the drive-through to go and have a meal, even at the grocery store is more expensive Right. I mean, so wrap your head around that. And, and the way that this cycles, from my perspective, is I look really fundamentally at our foods. They're building blocks. Our bodies are constantly repairing themselves. I mean, we could talk about all the different, you know, the liver, the skeletal system, the, every part of your body is constantly being renewed and rebuilt based on what you're putting into it, right? The resources that you give it, amino acids and fatty acids and all these things. The food that, that tends to be consumed, the least expensive food, generally speaking, is completely or significantly missing major nutrients. We're talking about the real important factors for even neurological health mm. being missed in these foods. So if you can look at the way that you are physically weakening a body and you see how that can affect, I mean, so many factors of how you go through life. I see that being a really, really nasty, vicious cycle.
0: Yeah. And certainly, I mean, this almost goes without saying, I suppose, one, you're talking about the economics of food. You just mentioned, um, you know, good food costs more, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe not all of it, but generally speaking, I think most people would say that. But there's also this question of fast food. Obviously, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that, maybe uh, that are doing fine financially, I'm sure you see some of them sure. who are eating these kinds of foods. And, and um, you know, this almost seems like a no brainer to me, but um, say a few words about fast food if you have any. I mean. Uh,
1: Ooh, uh, yeah, a lot more than a few. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but the tough part is, you know, when you, oh, okay, here's here's maybe, this this'll maybe summarize it right here. In my Webster office, I have a McDonald's burger and, and fries that I purchased in July of 2010, and it still sits there, mold-free, fairly similar in resemblance to what it looked like when I purchased it. We missed having its birthday. All this craziness this year kind of threw us off, a 10-year 10 10 year birthday. But when you look at something like that, I mean, how, how long can you leave a piece of bread on the counter? you know, before it turns all fuzzy and fun or a fresh piece of, you know, an apple or or whatever. These things don't last, right? So so even right there, that should make the alarm bells ring, right? right? But the other side of it is we know when you really take these, a lot of these foods apart, um, there are just unbelievable ingredients. I mean, things that are Stressful or even addictive, like right. MSG, neurotoxic right. sugar, comp- obviously. Oh, oh my good! Oh, yeah. Right, of course. Right, right, so right. yeah, there's just there's a real problem there in terms of creating mm. a, a connection and a and you know an addiction almost. Mm. So I don't know if there's a relationship between the, uh,
0: food and uh, mental health. Perhaps there is, but mm. this is again, I'm asking questions that are interesting to me that may or may not it. hit your work. Yeah. But I have read a lot about, I have a brother who's a psychiatrist, so we talk about this some, hmm. but about um, depression in yeah. America. And you've probably seen this statistic. I mean, there's there's many, but the, the one that I've seen a number of times, that makes me think that it's legitimate, yeah. is that in the 15 years between 99 and 2014, not mm-hmm. that long ago, that the um, increase of the use of antidepressants um, was to the tune of about 65%. The, the, the article that I, one of the articles that I looked at said um, a lot of this is younger people, not all, but what does that say? Mm. And how is that, um, if at all, related to food?
1: Yeah, probably this is going to be, I think this is going to be surprising because I haven't met many people who have, who have talked about or understood this connection. And I'd be willing to bet that you'll have um, a pretty quick answer for part of this. Like you said, with depression being a major player today, I mean, the typical reaction there is, of course, hopefully there's some some person-to-person support, some counseling, some talking, but when we move to the pharmaceutical side, the class of drugs that are commonly used, do you know what they are by chance? You mean the name for them? Yes, just generally.
0: Um, I'm gonna say the wrong thing, so I don't That's
1: remember. okay. So SSRI. I was gonna say right? SSI, so SSRI. Yeah, uh, okay. so see, you were close. Yeah. Um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Okay. okay, For just to be real technical for a second. So here's the connection, your neurotransmitters, right? Your brain balance, your chemistry, we would think it's all up here inside of our brain, inside of the skull, so to speak, 90% of your body's serotonin, guess where it's made? It's in the gut. Mm. It's way down here. So if you think about something, just that one, you know, fact you can instantly start to have a little bit more of an appreciation for how interconnected the body is. Wow. So that to me means if you're taking good care of your gut health or not so good care of your gut health, which a lot of people, are, what in the world does that even mean, right? So a right. different topic for a different show. Right. But the reality is you could be profoundly impacting even your mental health. Wow. I mean, what a crazy way our body is made, right? Yeah.
0: You know, I read a book. This is, you know, for it seems like forever ago, but it would, uh, you know, you might it might be on your shelf. Um, The Zone, Mm. which was written back in the 90s for those who remember it um, by a guy named Barry Sears, who Mm -hmm. was um, actually a serious dude. Um, If he went to MIT Mm -hmm. and um, he was trying to solve the problem of heart disease in his family, yeah, his father and I think several of his uncles, his father was a professional athlete. A lot of athletes in his families, and and I think a couple generations, and even spread in the, um, you know, lateral direction, uncles and stuff, um, had died in their fifties of heart disease. Mm. And he said when he was a college student,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he that that became his mission in life, and he he worked on it, worked on it, ended up. Um, in, when he was at MIT or maybe after MIT, developed a drug that ended up um, being used um, in, in, in HIV. Mm. So in other words, it, it didn't, it didn't he, he did pioneer a drug, this was way back in the 90s, that was too expensive relative to heart disease, but it, it sort of skipped a track and ended up um, um, being used for HIV. But he found himself um, still um, at, you know, getting older, as he tells if you've ever read the book, and he says, long story short, he came to this place, I don't know if this is still the accepted thinking in science, where he said he understood, it was like a, a light bulb went off, the most important drug that people put into their body is food. Mm-hmm. He went into this whole thing about the liver, uh, which is, of course, not in your between your ears. And, uh, and he talked about the way the liver processes um, things. And mm-hmm. he said, th- I'll tell you, I can still remember, this was 20 years ago when I read this book, but it makes me think of what you said yeah. about- How important what you put in your mouth and goes not up but down into your gut actually does um, have a huge impact not only on let's say your your health and overall quality of life but even the way he would argue it because his thing was heart disease and I'll tell you why I care about it you were talking about your your uncle that didn't die but should have or could have I should say not should have could have yeah my dad 39 years old, mm. 39 years old, died of a heart attack. So oh. it does happen. And this is Barry's story. Um, and so um, he, he his interest really was really in this. And his conclusion was that he felt that if someone just got serious on understanding the way food is worked in the body in food, he could actually change your body chemistry such that you could... Um, lengthened the years of your life. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. So it made me think about what you just said.
1: Right. It's, it's, you know, it's just such a different, it's a different perspective. We, we tend to think it's very easy to just be practical. Well, I'm hungry, so I eat. But when you can, when you can go beyond that and have someone who can, you know, walk you through those fundamentals of what, you know, what really needs to go in, what does your, just like your car, I mean, you can't just pull up to the, to the gas station and, well, which handle is it? Is it, is it diesel? Is it, is it ethanol? Is it gas? Uh, well, I don't know. That's not going to work out real well, right, right? right? But we don't, we tend to have a different thought process when it's our Well, food is food. You know, let me just right. get something to be full, but that's a scary place. Yeah. Um, we, We're in the middle of a pandemic, so
0: that is its own thing. Yeah. But I wonder whether it's about during the pandemic or not, as you think of all of your clients. Mm-hmm over the last few years, what, if anything, does it tell us about the, um, health in America? Mm. I mean, just physical health. I mean, is it status quo? Um, you know, you, you, you know, I don't know if obesity is up. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I, that's an, that's a big question. Um, from what I've seen, yeah, the numbers are not going in the right direction. I Mm -hmm. mean, just in terms of obesity and, and I think, Maybe this is part of what you're asking as we've, as we've been all faced with a little bit more of a worldwide or global appreciation of, whoa, my health matters. My immune system matters. Right. We have seen that there's been, you know, I feel like loosely, I I wish that it was, you know, selfishly, I guess, being in, in healthcare, so to speak, I wish that it was been a little bit louder of the message of let's arm and equip your bodies as opposed to let's run and hide from each other and hope that we can stay in our caves long enough that this thing blows through. Right. But yeah, we've seen that the, the statistics are real scary, if you will, when you have these other factors. If you have a metabolic imbalance, if you have certain you know negative indicators in terms of your health, we've seen that that doesn't go well. You know, your risk for succumbing to disease in general or especially this current, you know, situation, it's not good. So I feel like I hope that again it's it's a moment for all of us to reflect inward and maybe take a different action. Look at what can we do? What can I do to equip myself to really be, you know, more in charge and in front of whatever comes at me next because This is just, I mean, yes, this is, this has been significant, obviously everybody, when's the last time globally we've taken a pause like this, but I hope that it really does inspire that different kind of, you know, step forward for us to look inward and not just look
0: Mm -hmm. out. So let me just pick up on that last sentence. Look, uh, better look inward and then look out. I know you, how I met a Dr. Matt Bohine is, you know, in, in, in a church service, so to speak. Uh So, um, I know you and and your wife, followers of Jesus. Um, but give me, you know, in a nutshell, your, you know, what does that mean for you? Number one, you know, you've been a long time follower of Jesus. You're a new time follower of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and how does your faith commitment um, influence your work?
1: Mm. Uh, like you said, uh, well, I was I was born and raised in church, so to speak. Of course, I have my own. You know, specific faith story. I mean, I feel I remember uh, at a very young age. My mom was the my mom was the neighborhood evangelist. Hmm. She she walked around with a uh, leather jacket on, uh, not all the time, but Jesus is Lord as big as you could see on the back, and that's how she was known in the neighborhood. So inevitably, when everybody was you know playing at our house, there would be usually a time of some kind of mention, a Bible story, Hmm. uh, a something, and I remember. I couldn't have been more than five years old. um, A friend of mine saying, I want to, you know, I want to be saved and saying a prayer in the playroom in our house. And I shortly thereafter ran to my mom and said the same thing. So, you know, that, that, you know, I think that was the foundation for me. And of course there was a growing time where I had to make faith my own. The way that it looks today and how it involves my practice. I mean, I really actually feel like it was, it's a big difference maker. I, again, Overlaying what I mentioned earlier about, you know, my family and my grandmother and the impact that that had, I feel like just knowing that, you know, that we have a purpose, that 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 someone made us, that we were created and not just an accident. Right. Number one sets a different stage, but also knowing that we're made, you know, God didn't make junk. You know, we are made with an ability to really you know, take the good again, that we put into the body and do something with it. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like we have a huge opportunity there. You don't have to be a Christian to appreciate that, but when you can appreciate that, you know, our bodies have so much potential created in them for health and not sickness. Right. um, Again, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a paradigm shifter.
0: So let me, these are just some other thoughts as I'm listening to you about food, about um, life and, um, you know, we talked about drugs a minute ago, are, what, what do you think about, um, you know, uh, vegetarians, vegans, this is the right mm. way to go. It's, oh man. It's not the right way to go. Make
1: controversial
0: over yeah. here. Ooh, I have a couple in my family. I am not. Yeah. Um, I, I think I actually probably would be if I, if I was better trained and my, you know, I don't think I could give up certain things, but I mean, um, Fair. so, but I, uh, I do have several in my family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is funny because I actually just uh, recently did a show about this. I called it "Meatless Mistakes." Mm. Not a knock on vegetarian or veganism, but mm. just a just a, a conversation about being intentional. Because there there's a reality if you're going to go down that road nutritionally. I've seen a lot of people who do it well. I've seen a, more people that do it poorly, mm. and it's and it's a problem if we just get real practical nutritionally because. There's just a reality to a lot of the resources that you can find in an animal food product, if I can say it that way, right. compared to what you need to find and source in other ways. And you can do it and you can do it well, but it's a scary proposition because it's easy to miss. It's easier to miss, I'll right. say. So there's there's a lot of upside if you can do it, but you've right. got to be very intentional is my, my short answer right. there.
0: Yeah, I've heard... One of my family members who's, who's you know, been doing this for years and, and, you know, takes it very seriously, but, you know, he his thought is, one, he happens to be a vegetarian, mm-hmm. not a vegan, but he may be in moving in that direction. In general, he's, he's not, you know, extremely rigid about it. But his big thing is, is um, as you say, um, you know, mainly milk products. Mm-hmm. He thinks these, you know, that I guess dairy and dairy in general, he uh-huh. thinks are just, you know, from the devil, I don't know. Uh, so that's kind of I hear what you're saying, though, is you have to really know what you're talking about. But a lot yeah. of people think that that's unhealthy for the the um the I think even if you ever read or heard of the China study, you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh sure, yeah. yeah. So I know from the China study, uh-huh. um um these guys from Cornell, you are, right? and men. Uh, if people don't know this, it's a fascinating story, and it's there's a local connection to this story. Mm-hmm um um all this the cohort that was you know China was this uh cohort for this long-standing study about health but I guess um dairy didn't fare so well in that study yeah
1: right and you know again this is this is uh, I'm going to be careful about no, not opening a, a door too wide <laughs> right. here but but the reality is there there's also to me a conversation about um common versus normal and here's what I mean we commonly consume dairy products today, right? I mean, it's everywhere. It's milk, right. it's cheese, it's, it's yogurts, it's, it's all these things. So what's very common for us is the use, but also the form. And my argument would be, we really have to step back and look at them more in their natural environment, To potentially give them a fair shake. I don't. I don't. We're not cows, right? But there's something to be said versus dead dairy. I'll say versus alive. And what I mean there is, you know, we we in the food industry that we have, we have to do certain things for sanitation reasons, right? Because a few feed many. We've got to pasteurize. We've got to kill all the bad bacteria. But at the same time, we lose a lot of the inherent. Good bacteria and enzyme mm. and all things. So for me, for my family, we we really purpose to do a lot of our dairy in different forms. So fermented forms, not, that doesn't, that's probably sounds crazy, but right. all I mean there is, you know, yogurt, for example, is technically a, a, a cultured, a fermented form, it has the good bacteria there. Kefir or kefir, right. depending right. on it, it even better yet, heavier okay. probiotic content, very positive. you got to watch out for the sugars and all of these, but still different ways. Raw cheese, cheese inherently got to be you know aged, but you can have a raw cheese that you've minimally aged it. It's got all the right good bacteria. It's much easier for your body to extract the nutrients and not deal with the the huge amount of inflammation that it can cause because Mm. these processed forms over here, this dead dairy is Mm. very irritating to the body, very difficult to break down. It's, it's a problem.
0: So um, I'm just having fun with you now, but how about alcohol? That is to say, you know, um, whether you drink alcohol or not, but Mm -hmm. I just mean, um, you know, um, wine's better than beer. uh, The hard stuff stay away. I'm just talking Uh from a health standpoint. Ooh,
1: big question. So. I mean, you hear things that, you know, wine. uh, Oh, sure. People say wine's great. You know, to me, sugar is sugar. Uh, There's probably not a whole lot of difference. You know, I might I might lean on Jesus and say a little wine for your stomach. (laughs) You know, okay. Um, But to me, yeah, I mean, you've got to be careful. We, I'll just talk about it from the client side. When we're advising our clients, you know, again, if you're looking to make the most difference metabolically, if you're looking to de-stress your body, a little, a a moderate amount of alcohol is not a concern necessarily. What I always do is say, put it with the food, because again, even the sugar content. I'm keenly aware of. It's just where we're always thinking because mm-hmm. we want to you know, promote metabolism and not drive it down. So mm-hmm. drinking by itself, that sugar's got to get burned or stored. And stored means fat, and we don't want that. So we want to put it with food. It's easier for your body to break it down. It's easier to use it. It puts less stress on the body, less inflammation, You yeah. know, all a better way to go.
0: Mm. So we don't have a lot of time, but let me ask you about some books mm-hmm. I'm interested to know is one let's talk about in this field let's say i'm listening to this and i'm christian or not doesn't matter but i care about my health and um i'd like to know more than you know the infomercial yeah um, about health what what uh, what recommend recommendations do you have oh
1: so many unfortunately and i should probably uh put a little bit of like my reading list out there mm-hmm. at some point i'll tell you what though it, this is this takes me a ways back there's a book it's the cheesiest cover you will ever find it's in the title is not much better but it's eat fat look thin and this Uh thing was written decades ago it's got a it's got a cheesy looking couple that maybe looks like they came out of the 70s on the cover but this book is phenomenal Hmm. it's researched the back end of it just has all of the studies that are referenced and it just it really i mean i read it when i was in graduate school and i'll tell you it, it oddly enough was recommended to be by a neighbor, not even somebody in school with me, not mm-hmm. even a professor. And yet this book really invited me into a totally different thought process nutritionally because I wasn't there. I mean, in school it was mm-hmm. just I'm learning the, the the anatomy and the physiology and all the you know all the basics you got to do to pass your boards. But this really kind of opened the door mentally and built upon you know just some of these little foundations. So I love that book. I reread it often. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one other, the bonus book. Um, it, well, I just say really in general, this thing is like a like a dictionary size, though. It's uh, Weston Price, Weston A. Price. He was a dentist, oddly enough, and he started to see in his practice most people just progressively worse and worse and worse oral health. And yet he found certain pockets of people that seemed to all of a sudden somehow have phenomenal oral health, and it motivated him to actually travel the world and start to ask questions and even involve heritage nutritional principles to find out what made the difference and so he found peoples people groups around the world that had never seen a dentist in their life and yet were living phenomenally healthy had perfect teeth even even alignment and it just challenges so many of our thought processes. I think in terms of the way that, you know, what was there was there was
0: there what was the moral or the story or the lesson that had to do with just the way people live their lives or
1: you know well it it, it comes back to nutrition, nutrition more okay. than anything. But okay. he but it, what was neat to me is again he was looking at peoples all over the world literally. So it wasn't like there was one thing that he said. Now this is what everyone needs to do. He just started to see that it was more natural living. I see. And even, you know, inside of the context of wherever they were geographically. Mm.
0: And there's this concept of blue foods. If you're familiar with that concept, do I have it right? No, I don't think so. I thought the term is, it's it's similar to what you're saying, and I may have it wrong, someone will correct me, that someone talked about the healthiest people generally in the world living the longest. Mm. um, And they, you know, some of them are in Japan, some of them are you know, in, in Scandinavia, but there was this whole idea of they, they, um, figured out where they were, what was common and and, Ah. and what they, I I don't know why they called it blue food. I may have that wrong, that they were talking about um, particular foods that were, um, connected to these areas.
1: Okay. So anyway, I feel like I've, I I might be way off too. I, I feel like I've heard of green zones. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you're, that could be it. I'm going to have to look it up now, but that's interesting.
0: So how about, I mean, as a, as a, you know, a doctor who works in wellness, but also a follower of Jesus and, yeah. and, and I'm sure you have other, um, avocations. Um, but when you think about a book and just, to just tell, this is more about, about Matt Boheen. Yeah. Know, what what, what, what book, uh, or books have you read recently, um, that you, that have inspired you or you found interesting about any subject?
1: My wife is gonna, my wife is gonna kill me for this because I'm, Now I'm all of a sudden struggling to remember the name, but it's a phenomenal book. Um, I'm going to try to Google it real quick. Uh, It's the the short story, if I can find the title or not, is it's a it's a breakdown of more or less the Beatitudes. Okay. And I I feel like the title is something about humility, like the nine issued. Is it a
0: recent book or no?
1: I, mean, I, like I you believe know. the author is no longer living. Okay, so right. uh, that doesn't mean that it was—it's okay. real old. But I'll tell you, it—it takes me a while to get through books. I tend to get about halfway or three quarters of the way yep. through and put it down, and then it takes me forever to finally finish. I read this book through and read it again, mm. and so it, it just challenged me in so many ways because it really—you know—I think that again, you know, as if you're a Christian or not. You've probably heard of those principles, right? And Matthew
0: chapter five, right? right.
1: Yep. They're often held up as standards, even if you don't ascribe to the same beliefs right. that we you, do if as you're Christians. not a Christian, right? But my goodness, this book just took those concepts, and especially inside of a Christian context, right? It just really, you know, it really spoke to me.
0: Mm, it's fantastic. Um, I it's, it's one of them. It's one of the greatest
1: passages of uh, not only the scripture
0: but perhaps in you know world literature. Yeah. Um, about life and it's even interesting when that you pick it I mean there's nothing in there about the foods you eat but it is certainly about um, the inner life mm. and a sense of you know cultivating um, peace and in um, a kind of you humble connection mm-hmm. with God um, and with others and uh, um, so we'll we'll have to get that title from you and uh, and yeah. will share it I'm in trouble yeah <laughs> um, well, Dr. Matt, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll tackle some other subjects to come and thank you for being here and, and maybe uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find another time to do this.
1: Well, it's, it's been an honor. I appreciate the invitation.
0: Friends, thank you for joining us and look forward to joining and continuing, I should say, the conversation with you very soon.